Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we listen and discuss the letters to my narcissists that you, our community members, sent in. They are honest, angry, sad, cute, and most of all, powerful. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of narcissistic abuse. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our special Letters to My Narcissist episode, I just want to say hello to Melissa out there, who is currently up north with her family. Uh, And today, we are bringing back a former guest, a a special guest for today, Sarah. If you have not listened to Sarah's episode, please do go back and listen to Sarah's episode in our catalog. It was a wonderful episode. She's very articulate, and uh, today she did a magnificent uh, job being uh, the guest on our show. And thank goodness she was here because she really saved my butt. I'm not the most articulate person in the world, but... Uh, she is, and I just want to thank her from the bottom of my heart. Uh, also, people that I want to thank from the bottom of my heart is you guys. Are you guys the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook? Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please do leave us a five-star review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you haven't been to our website recently, please do go there if you want to be part of our show at our website, NarcissistApocalypse.com on the top, you'll see a button that says, uh, you know, be a guest on the show. You press that button, takes you to another page, you fill out that form, and then we'll have a back and forth process. And, you know, another way to be on the show besides being a guest is to be on a show like we're doing today, which is our Letters to Our Narcissist Compilation 4 episode, but this would be for our Letters to My Narcissist Compilation 5. Go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. And to read a letter to your narcissist, on the right side of the page, there's always a floating, floating button around. It says send voicemail. Click on that button. It records up to five minutes. If you need more than five minutes, you have to click it twice. 
and so on and so on, three times, four times as long as you need to read your letter. It's a floating button on the side of the page. It says send voicemail. It's hard to miss. And if you want me or my old pal, Melissa, or maybe another special guest, you never know what happens. And Melissa sometimes is out of town. Uh, send us a letter that you want us to read uh, at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Put letters to my narcissist in the subject line with your letter inside, and we will read it on the show. But what else is happening at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com? Well, we are offering high-conflict parenting courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting. And many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorced lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court. And now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else? Our Patreon. I'm about to upload a bunch of stuff to our Patreon uh, later today. I got like three or four, I'm actually maybe five things to upload to our Patreon later today because I was a little bit behind last week. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow-up episodes, which we're about to put up, one with Sonny from last year. Uh, with former guests and much, much more. Join our Patreon. We'll be releasing new content on there every week, even though we did miss last week, but we're about to make up for that in a big way. Uh, Help support the show. Become a patron of our Patreon at patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. And that's it. I'm going to get out of my way and your way. Here is... Letters to My Narcissist, Volume 4. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This week is another Letters to My Narcissist episode. However, my old pal Melissa is not with us today because she went up north camping to a cottage. I don't know if it's camping specifically. So today... We have a former guest, one of my favorites. Sarah is with us today. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. I really want to thank you for being part uh, of the show and coming back. And for everyone uh, who hasn't listened to Sarah's story, go listen to her uh, podcast. It was a really uh, interesting podcast, mostly for me, you know, um, you know, after your story was over, the way you articulated yourself, the depth of the feelings uh, that you went into, uh, I used your quotes on on the Instagram for I think at least a week. You were that quotable, um, so I really wanted to, to thank you uh, again for being on the show that time. And, and uh, since then, what has been uh, going on in the aftermath um, of your relationship and your healing process? Yeah, um, it's been it's been a gradual. Um, uh, I don't know, but it's it's gradually gotten better. So I think that right after I recorded it, it was really really crazy hearing myself. Like it's still, it felt so surreal, and I haven't done it since that one time. So I'm just kind of kind of wait until the moment is right to listen to it again. But. Um, yeah, I was, things have gotten, have 
just continue to get better. I've been, I remember I talked a lot about writing again and how much I missed that. So I've started writing again, um, in different, uh, just, it's a lot of scattered stuff, but I think it's coming together. I have a few concepts of how I want to put some things together, which is further than I've ever gotten before. Cause I was always afraid to get to that point. Um, but, um, I've been writing again, drawing again. I started reading again, which was for some reason, such a terrifying thing for me to take on again, because in that relationship I had, he, uh, he was very good at making me feel like I was doing all the things that were good for me for the wrong reasons. So I was able to like pick up a book and I actually picked up, um, Chanel Miller's book, um, Know My Name, which was uh, really impactful and healing and validating for anybody who's been through um, any type of uh, sexual abuse in their life. So that was a really great um, cathartic experience. But yeah, things have just, things have been going, you know, it's kind of taken at a time. And have you been uh, diving into therapy and self-help type <laughs> uh, stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. I was able to find a therapist that I think is really going to work well for me. Um, she focuses a lot on trauma, anxiety, and uh, divorce. And then also she does EMDR, which is a form of therapy that really worked for me the few times I did it with my last therapist. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, I feel like having a good therapist is like a like an anchor, at least for me. And I think for a lot of people to continue that healing process, which is, you know, just it takes a lot of time, but like having a good therapist is just the most important thing. So that's, that's been exciting. And as far as listening to yourself when you were on, was it difficult listening uh, to your story or was it cathartic to listen to yourself? It was difficult, but not because not in a bad way, difficult because it's like, it's just very weird hearing yourself. And especially towards the end of that podcast, like you talked about where I was like, you know, talking about hope and everything and how, you know, whatever, how proud I was of myself. Like, it's just very strange hearing yourself in like a confident way because, you know, you don't feel that way all the time. So when you hear yourself in that way, it's like, it just kind of, it exposes a side of you that you didn't know you have. And then you feel, it's it's like, you feel like a part of you is back together. Like this piece that you didn't have that you didn't know where it went. And then it's like, oh, it's, it's back now. So you start to feel a little more whole again. So it was difficult, but in like a, a good way. You see, you're bringing your analogies back. You know, this is what you were doing on that last episode that, that, <laughs> that works so well. So I'm really happy you're here with me today. And uh, I guess now we're going to a break into listening to uh, a recording. So we have some recordings. We have, I think, five recordings, um, two of them our wraps, everyone. So get ready for those. And then we have uh, six letters that uh, I've taken from Reddit um, that I've brought on here that we're going to read ourselves. And I think we'll get to all six letters. I don't know uh, about time, but I think we'll be able to get to there. And um, I guess I just want to thank everyone who sent uh, in these voicemails that we're going to be uh, listening to today. Uh, and, you know, the format of the show, we'll listen, then we'll discuss them, and then we'll, we'll just go kind of do a back and forth. So, um, you know, I did my best to kind of listen, but not fully listen beforehand before I even sent them to you to, uh, to have them on your side. So it's really my first reactions um, as, as well. So. Uh, anyway, I am rambling and I'm just going to get out of my way and your way and we're going to, uh, start the show. So, okay. Are you ready? 
I'm ready. So click it whenever you want. Okay. I tend to spend a lot of time thinking about first times. There's something about first and how they always feel so special. Something about brand new that makes me feel brand new. Like the first time I met you. The first day I walked into a new place ready for a world of first. You, everything I've craved to be and to have my whole life were front and center. There you stood, skinny and still strong, loud and alluring, happy and complete. Love, you, my love, laughed so loudly I could not help but to stare. I could not help but for my eyes to wander straight to yours. The sound as enticing as the song of a siren, luring me right into the first beginning and into a world of first times. Remembering the first encounter, our first real encounter, the first time I more than caught a glance across the room, the first time our eyes locked and mine got stuck. Are you okay? You said so simply. That was the first time in a long time I stopped pretending I was okay. No, I was not okay. I was overwhelmed and winded and scared and stressed and everything but okay. So I showed you. I showed you just how not okay I was with the first outburst of vulnerability you had ever seen from me. Me, just a stranger. I showed you and everyone else for that matter I was not okay. A moment full of seemingly meaningless firsts at the time, I will admit, that instantly had me. Our first of many ridiculously lengthy car rides was nervous. Neither of us seemed to mind as we drove past our exits, lost in conversation. Too busy reading your every mannerism, every movement, and every word to notice the street signs. Too lost in your voice to hear the directions. Completely and utterly consumed already. Leading right up to the first time I dropped you off. The first time I was invited inside. The first time I politely declined, I explained that I was uncomfortable and you had a girlfriend and I am one to respect boundaries no matter how I might feel opposite. You had just got done telling me about this woman in your life consistently leaving you so lackluster and God how I wanted to bask in your sunlight. I am so pale. You understood my decisions respectfully and explained your roommate wouldn't be home, but you wouldn't want me to be uncomfortable. So with a thank you, I left. That was the first lie you ever told me, love. I think about that one a lot. The first lie, the one that's at the tone for the rest of them. Seemingly insignificant, I blew right through your first red light. The irony really starts to set in when I realize that that was the first time I lied to you as well. No, I wasn't uncomfortable. My comfort was an excuse to make sure I didn't put myself in that situation. But I wanted to. I fucking wanted to. You were already had, but not by me. Taking a step back, I found myself stuck on the moment that I first thought I could soften my edges around you. I was never expecting to, and there you just showed up. In hand with my favorite types of poison, my baby blue cigarettes, and the rest of my before work morning routine. I noticed that you noticed something so small that I myself don't even realize I do. A simple gesture that had just crumpled all of my walls. For you to think of me in a moment I was not there meant more to me than either of us could have expected. Never had I been the object of permanence, and in that moment was my first time feeling what that felt like, and I loved it. One fleeting moment leading to the next, and shortly after was the first time I found out what your skin felt like on my skin. The first time I felt the warmth of your fingertips and the cold to my thigh. All boundaries, all morals, all walls washed away with a few too many drinks. I could have bathed in your first physical embrace. A single hand on my thigh was all it took. Following my own selfish desires, I decided for the first time in my life to pursue what was already spoken for. A first time opening doors into a home that I had not built. 
I convinced myself it was falling. You convinced me the foundation was cracked. The windows were broken. You were packing up your things. You were moving away, moving towards me. I wanted you to, and there was no denying it after our first time that one blurry night. My mother's words have never held much weight with me. You know that. I was raised with her to see and took it all with a grain of salt. I shut her up as she screamed in my head, ignored the dreams of her waving red flags as I ran through right past her and into your arms. If he will cheat with you, he will cheat on you. She screamed over and over and over and over. I pretended it could never happen to me. Not with you. You with your bright eyes, your soft embrace, thoughtful actions and kind words, your understanding, your shoulder, always sturdy, already, already you were the strength that I had never seen. You were already the love that I had never felt, and we had only just met. Love, you love, would not hurt me. You love are different. Aren't you, love? I can still remember that first night so vividly, despite the copious amounts of mind erasers that we both indulged in, how it felt whenever I slid under those covers and how it felt when you followed. The feeling of the words slipping off of my tongue as I asked you if I should leave and apologized if I seemed forward. I can still hear you casually telling me that I could stay and sliding into that same bed. Following was the first time that I felt your arms around my body and the first time that I could actually feel the rhythm of your heart. I felt my body matching tempo with your body. We connected ourselves and I felt connected in ways I hadn't even experienced before. Always I've had this addict within me. You were my latest fix. When everything stopped working and I couldn't even force my brain to feel anymore and you came... My doors were unlocked, porch light on, with a welcome mat so prominent, how could you not just come right in? I had obviously been anticipating your arrival. The first morning light of the first new day to come with you and I in the same room was the first time that I saw your eyes without windows in front of them, directly into your soul. I had known love before, but never this love. The first time I moved out on my own was only a few short weeks after we had our first night together. You freshly out of one relationship and we skipped right into sharing a home. The first time I met your family, left my own, spent holidays away from home, and heard you tell me you loved me was all in the first month of you and I dating. You did not even know me and I had told you this whenever you told me you were in love with me. But how could I have not fallen in love with you just as fast? I mean, look at you. You were everything I had wanted. Did I dare take too long and lose you when your love was already so strong? I am all in if you're all in, right? You learned of all of the firsts that I had been robbed of throughout my life. You made sure I would get those firsts and were so proud to get to do those things. It isn't often that you get to be the first for someone for so many things after a certain point in your life. The first start to run out eventually and you were honored. It was as if the universe knew we were on our way to one another and saved those first just for us. It is so special for us to build a base in any kind of interpersonal relationship. There's nothing like the first time, or so they say. Nothing like realizing the first lie you told me was on that first night that I drove you home. Something so small that I doubt you even remember. My roommate will be home, you mentioned, while leaving out the... 4 a.m. piece of key information. There's nothing like going to a store with an old friend of yours and finding out that the moment of comforting that we spent after I expressed my feelings about having part in your infidelity was all of us on. That you had, in fact, been one to do that sort of thing more than with just me. I was not some woman sent to save you from a toxic relationship, and you were not a victim who had just found a saving grace. 
you did not in that relationship the day after our first night because you had fallen in love with me so quickly, but instead because she was no longer of use for you, I'm guessing. I guess in hindsight, there are some first more important than the others, and I guess I took note of the wrong ones. Hanging up your flags of red and assuming that they were symbolic for your passion. Passion is what I saw the first time I saw your anger in action. The same thing I saw whenever I watched you scramble to make a new truth out of the missing pieces of information I had failed to gather before coming to you with my worries. The same passion I saw whenever you spun new lies into apologies and into promises of open honesty. I saw your passion coupled with you choosing me. Me, you chose me. You were fighting for me. Because you love me, and yeah, people make mistakes. People are scared of their past, ruining their future, and surely I could understand that. You knew that I could understand that. I would, until it all came crashing down. I would bury myself in you and your truth. I did, I buried myself alive while you watched. Okay. Wow. It was beautifully written. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. like a pro, like that was yeah. pro writing right there. Yeah, like the imagery that was used, but the between how it overlapped with the realness of everything she experienced. I mean, wow. Yeah, uh, I I wrote the you know the the first lie that that part at the beginning. Uh, was powerful. There's another line in there. I couldn't write it down fast enough to get it down correctly. It just, I think it started with the flags of redness. Do you remember yeah. that line? It was a great line. I don't know. I, it was just, it was going too fast for me to remember everything. I know that if I um, go over this with a, a fine tooth comb slowly, that it's quotable for on the, on my Instagram for, uh, a month like uh oh, yeah just really so well written so um it, yeah the imagery um she used that line i i i'm probably not verbatim but uh she wrote or said driving through the first red light and i thought okay like i was imagining that happening and then the double meaning of that as well yeah you know the whole experience of having that first dawn of like realizing that first red flag and uh just i don't i don't know how she did all that but she and then her last line buried myself alive and you watched yeah holy crap like it's just everything that she wrote was just so i can definitely relate to it just i i really uh one like just really wonder like whoever uh sent this in i'm gonna send you an email uh, after the show is over, uh, just a tremendous, and not just that, like your the reading of it, um, just the nuance of uh, her reading was uh, in, in in certain spots was um, just added to uh, how powerful this was. So to that person, thank you uh, for sending that that voicemail in. Um, yeah. It was awesome. And now we're going to uh, change up the tone after that one. Um, and we're going to go and we're, we're going to about to hear a rap, everyone. And there's the <laughs> same person did two raps and this person was awesome. Um, so go to um, 
Ramp. I guess it's Ramp uh, 7, actually, because that's the first one they sent in. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And are you ready? On three, press three, and we'll go. One, two, three. Uh, What is a narcissist? A person who cannot be fixed. Charming, magnetic, trusting, you're convinced. The total package, how could you resist? He checks off everything on the dating list. Gift giver, tennis bracelet for your bare wrist. But soon will grab your arm and heart to twist. His text once so loving, but now his words are his fists. Those compliments now belittle mints. Sweet sentiments now crushing them to bits. The abuse knows something is amiss. The predator is a black hole. You fail in the abyss. He said he loved you. That does not exist. Something bad happened to him when he was a kid. So we make some stuff like an actor reads a script. A joker, flim flam, man, a con artist like throwing jello on the wall. Nothing sticks. A chameleon, a snake kissed you with a hiss. The manipulation just never quits. Narcs cancer a society, a malignant system in the public's eye. They seem legit, but they wear a mask. It was all a trick. They forgot to mention that you're a Relationship was a game, but you didn't know that you were playing. You turned your head, the pieces he's rearranged, and you called him. He called you deranged. You believed it. The brightest of flames, the gaslight. Let me convey it where they make you feel crazy and question your own sanity. All they ever do is betray and beg you for forgiveness. Turn around and do the same thing. Pathological liars believe nothing they say. Their words carry absolutely no weight. But that diamond was great and it made you feel guilty and they threw it in your face. Till give and give and take and take. You're so unbalanced like a slow sway. He needs you use you up today while he searches for his new prey. He wants to punish you before he throws you away. The narc has his new supply so this process will just be replayed over and over. His life is a waste. He's human garbage. Better get the glade. And at first his smell was so safe. He made you feel like you were going insane. You only wanted to remember all the praise and you start noticing bouts of rage un empathetic man with so much shame as he screws everything up and you take the blame, blasted your boundaries, enjoyed your pain and there is no hook to this rap, but it's in my mouth stabbed in my back, there's poetic justice in these lines there may be a hook piercing in my mind, but I was a big fish that got away because I caught on to the game, exit strategy before it was too late How did you like the rap? That was intense. I mean, it takes a lot of talent to, to what's the word? To kind of portray so many different experiences in such a, not only a poetic way, but 
in such a concise way so that you can actually follow along with what's happening as if it's a story or a movie in your mind. Like, um, and then also like the use of imagery here was pretty, pretty great. Like the black hole and the abyss. I was like, yes. Like I was nodding as she was like rapping to this. There's a point in the rap where, um, she gets really fast with, 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 with the words and mm-hmm. it, it, I was really hooked in at that. Like she got a really good flow going in that one. I was like, this is really like at a certain point. I'm like, this is pretty good. Like this is really good. Yeah. Um, and just wait, the second one is better. Uh, but we'll listen to that one, uh, later. So to, to the person who sent this in, uh, thank you. Um, you know, to go from, you know the creativity so far, like uh, has been uh, awesome, and it, yeah, and, and yeah. for everyone who's listening, you know something that you had, which was you know you like to do writing and to go into these creative processes and explore them, um, and to use the medium that you like. If it's not writing, if it's just making art of some sort, painting or drawing and how cathartic it can be, uh, to, to do these things. So, um, you know, right off the bat here, you know, thank you, uh, to both of, of you for showing us, you know, your artistic abilities while, um, you know, expressing your feelings in your letter, in these letters. Um, so, uh, now we're going to read uh, a couple letters. And then we're awesome. going to go back to the writing. So um, do you want to go first or shall I go first? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. Um, you're the first one. Start at the top. Oh. All right. All right. Here I go. Dear Nex, I know you're not wondering this, but yes, I still think about you. I still have our memories are playing like a beat down top 10 list that refreshes every morning. In those brief moments when I'm not distracted by technology or work, I still cry. I cry because I miss you, and I cry because I want the imaginary you back, yet that's not possible. I grieve you now as if you had died, because in a way you did. The person I loved did not exist, and I know I have some blame in that. I have blame in becoming just like you when I was at my worst. I have blame in giving you fifth and sixth chances and ignoring the red flags and sacrificing myself for you and then wanting and believing I could save you. So for this and for my part in the relationship toxicity, first, I want to say that I am sorry. When I became like you, I hurt you in the ways you hurt me, and I know how unbearable that is. Second, I want to thank you. Thank you for the million and one reasons to reassure me that you are not someone I want to be with for bringing things about myself that I was blind to and for pushing me with your physical, mental, and emotional abuse to finally stand up for myself and find the courage to grow and learn to find comfort, love, and peace within myself. So today I make my peace with you, and while I'll continue to hurt, I'll continue to heal and become better. But that's no longer your business. As I sit here typing this, I wish you the life you deserve. I really like this letter. Um... Yeah. You know, it, it brings up everything I think everyone at one point will deal with. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, that they're the positive thing about this is taking what has happened and uh, growing from it and that this person is there and they're at that point where they are, you know, all this terrible stuff happened, but now um, I'm going to 
make myself uh, better. And I love the line, but that's no longer your business. I love that line. Yeah. And I really like that. The grief that she's talking about, especially at the beginning of the letter, I think is just, I remember, I remember my own moment where I realized, you know, like the person I love did not exist. And so having to process that grief and like it, that the death of this person that you thought you knew is really hard to articulate. And it's definitely one of the more painful parts of this healing process, but it's, it's um, like awesome that she was able to put that in words. She, Sorry, are you there? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, I thought for someone, for some reason, I thought you, you, uh, you uh, dropped out there. Uh, no, like it, it, it's something that I, I guess I write a lot, a lot about, or, or I try to on, on, on the Instagram, which is, um, you know, pedestals or just, you know, how we view someone, um, or the, the, the person that we want to see. Um, and we have that you know, as, 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 you know, or not that we want to see the person that has been shown to us or that they want us to see and how they always want us to see them in that way, um, which doesn't really exist. It's, it's, you know, we're given the drug of this is how this person, this is how you want us to see you and how you want us to feel about you. And mm-hmm. it's the thing that we're always chasing. Um, and, yeah. And I think that's why I think, you know, this person's letter really in- encapsulates like all of it. It's it, even though it's short uh, and very simple, it just really puts it in there pretty succinctly, efficiently. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And especially that last that last sentence where she says, today I make peace with you. I love that. And then it's immediately followed by this is no like at that well my piece is no longer your business, which is like just this beautiful separation after coming to the realization that like I'm you know, I'm going to start this healing process on my own. And it's it's really just beautiful that they're able to do that. And and this is why I brought you on the show today, because you're very articulate and you, you can you you can say these things that I can't. So thank you. Um you did, that was great. Um and now we're on to uh, letter number two. And I'll be reading this one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Dear asshole, it's <laughs> sad you still stalk me five months after you dumping me. It's sad you tried to impersonate me to get my attention with a fake profile and Photoshop photos of my face. It's sad that I loved and cherished someone like you. It's sad you never gave me my things back. It's sad that you tore me down with words instead of bringing me up. It's sad that all you do is lie to people constantly. It's sad that you think I will ever call you or message you again. Good luck with finding someone who wanted to challenge you to make you a better man. At the end of the day, you're just an insecure prick who doesn't know the value of a good woman. I feel a mixture of pity and anger for your next girlfriend or wife. She has to be stuck with you. So when I say I'm done, I'm done. Do me a favor and go fuck yourself. Thank you, universe. Heart emoji. (laughs) Uh, I I love this. Yeah. You know, uh, 
so in in the grand scheme of things, you know, when people say you know there's different stages after uh, being uh, in an abusive relationship, narcissistic abuse, domestic abuse, anger is one of those stages. And mm. you know, I love you know the angry letters as much as the letter that we that you read before. Um, and you know, we're all in these certain stages, and this one. Um, ooh, I just, you know, it, it really puts it, uh, out there at the end and how they're, and how they're feeling and, um, you know, what they're asking <laughs> the universe for in the end. It's a, yeah. it's a really, you know, it's, it's angry, but you know, it, it was cutesy, um, at it, the same time. I just like, like comparing the beginning of the letter it starts, dear asshole, and then the very end is, thank you, universe. Yeah, the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I can really, really relate to this, to this anger, and because in that anger is still a lot of healing. You know, it's a lot of I'm taking ownership of how I feel in my anger, and it's, it's, I don't know, it's one of my favorite emotions to be honest. I think it could, it could be very motivating and healing in and of itself. Yeah, and I was angry for a very long time myself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, every day when I woke up, like it was, you know, it was on my mind. It wouldn't leave my head. Like these were the, I was constantly angry. And at a certain point, I didn't want to be angry anymore. And Mm -hmm. and like I had to get out of that kind of stage Uh, because eventually it's not healthy in my, Mm -hmm. you know, but like at that time, you know, I um I enjoyed the anger while I was in it and as as you know here he says dear asshole and, and at the end it's like thank you universe there I also had like this very cutesy <laughs> thoughts in my mind where like I was I thought I was like being um cutesy I guess with my own anger um or I guess in my mind I believed that like um my anger was in good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really resonated a lot with, uh, the dear asshole one. Yeah, me, me too. Definitely. I think I can now like, uh, I can pocket that anger now when I need to. So it's not just always there, but you know, I can bring it back out if I need it. Well, um, we're about to go back to recordings, the actual voicemail. So, um, next one. On our list here, um, go to. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. I never knew such monsters lived in this world, let alone my world. I didn't know a man I've known since I was 18 was capable of destroying me the way that you have. That someone who has been such a huge part of my life for 15 years could use and abuse me until there was virtually nothing left. You tell yourself whatever you need to in order to make this my fault, to make our downfall my fault. But I think you know, the same way you know it about the mother of your child. I would have ridden to hell and back for you, and honestly, in some ways, I think I did. I'm just glad I can walk away knowing I did all I could. I went above and beyond. 
I never betrayed you and never even had to fuck someone else, as you say. I saw all I needed to see, and now I can walk away with no guilt, no remorse. I gave you the best of myself, and I won't let you take away the beauty of that, the sincerity of that. As I sit in the house we share with you a thousand miles away in your own room, I know that once I am finally free, I will be stronger. I will have lived through your gaslighting, your triangulation, and your con artist ways. I'll be stronger, and I will be smarter. You will still be in that little room of yours, tucked away, hunting your next prey. Sometimes, late at night, I ache for whoever you ensnare next. Your predatory behavior masked by that smile and your charm. No one deserves this. I will be okay, because I am strong and I am a soldier, but you could kill someone with this level of abuse. And if you can't recognize it as abuse, you need to take a serious look at the situation and yourself. Not for me, not even for you, but for your daughter. If you continue on, she will end up with someone who treats women the way that you do. Don't let that happen to her. I am stayed here so much longer than I should because I see her look at you. I see her hatred for you growing. She was only eight and she can already see that something about you is different. She clings to my presence in the home as a way to avoid your wrath and criticism. At times I sit here and wonder how I can leave her behind. But I must look at my empathy for her realistically. You are her father and nothing can change that. You will damage her. All I can do is pray that her mother can protect her from you. I must now protect myself and find a way out of the situation you conned me into. No one would ever think they were being conned by someone they'd known 15 years. But here I am, stuck in a house that is legally mine but physically yours. I will find a way out. And when I am finally free of you, I will be stronger. You there? Yeah. That one, um, I have goosebumps. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, the line, I am stuck in a house that is legally mine, but is physically yours. What a line. Yeah, um, I wrote that down too. That was brilliant. And it, and it speaks to like that sense of that presence still lingering, which is, you know, in your head, but the, the impact that it leaves. So if you, if you feel haunted by it. Yeah. Like, um, we rarely get a, a, a letters where people are still, uh, in it. Yeah. And that they're dealing, this person is still in their home. I assume they're still in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, they're now at the point where they're they're done and ready to fight and you know not that they haven't fought or they haven't been brave already for being there for so long but you know to get to this point takes a lot um especially if you've been in a marriage for 15 years and you have a child with them and now um you need to protect your child as much as as you can and you're ready to take that step to do it. So to the person who sent in this letter, uh, thank you. Um, this was a powerful, powerful letter. Um, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I just, I just want to say that, you know, we're all rooting for you and you compared it to a battle and yourself as a soldier. And I think that's very accurate and very true of the work that you're having to do right now. 
Ooh, I'm still that that letter. I, that's uh, I feel like you know you say that the band. I I feel that letter was so powerful. I I went. It, it took you right there, and yeah. um, that you felt the battle. So I really want to thank yep. thank the the person who uh, sent in that letter because I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to hear mm-hmm. uh, that in your voice and gain strength from. Uh, what you just read. So thank you. Yeah. And uh, the next one, let's go to uh, number five. Soon we will be divorced. I should have gone through with it four years ago, but I was a different person then. I still believed you could be a better man. If you could just quit drinking. But now I know the truth. I know what you are. I have found out so much about you, and it's revolting. I will never look at you the same. I hope in the end it was all worth it to you. You know because you're right about everything. My only wish for you now is to find someone who treats you as poorly as you did me. Your own parents never really enjoyed being around you. I was the only person that showed a genuine love and compassion to you. I see through you when you cry about your brother being gone. You were so mean and arrogant when he would call you. You didn't have time to help him when all he really wanted to do was connect with you. I felt bad for him when you did that. To be honest, I think he should still be walking this earth instead of you. He was a kind soul that people loved. I think you envy that and resented it in him. I loved him and will never forget how you treated him. Do not come back and want me to take care of you when the years of drinking and smoking start to take you down. I will not shed a tear for you. You should save some money to pay one of your prostitutes or young girls to wipe your ass. Because that's what you do. People can be bought. You're blaming me for our poor sex life is so weak. You should have never married me, but you wanted a mommy porno girl. You go on and look for your perfect girl. I wouldn't touch you now if you tried to pay me. I'd prefer you sell your burial plot so I don't have to spend eternity lying next to your STD ravaged body. You're disgusting. I am so glad Bill and Bridget told me everything they did. He knew I needed to hear all of it to finally be done with you. They are the only people that ever fought for me, and I will always be eternally grateful to them. You're the dumbass for signing the HIPAA release. I mean, really. You said, how does it help me to know all that stuff? Trust me, it does. When Bill called you a predator, that really changed how I see you. Targeting young broken girls and then saying, I paid them, is disgusting. I know you're continuing your behavior, and I feel bad for any girl that gets mixed up with you. I can only save myself, though. I have to leave your fate in a power's hands that can determine the proper karma for you. Trying to talk and reason with you is impossible, so I am done. 
The years of tolerating you treating me cruelly are over. Telling me I'm effing ungrateful for everything you provide is a line right out of your dad's playbook. You learned well. You had many chances to choose to be a better person. Unfortunately, you chose to be a creepy pervert. You always insisted on being right instead of being happy. I now understand that you don't know what happiness is. You chose to be miserable. I choose not to live with someone who is so broken. I didn't break you, nor can I fix you. Not my job. I'm finally done. You there? Yep. So I, before the show started, uh, you know, I only listened to maybe the first 20 seconds. So I uh-huh. had no idea where this one was going. Uh-huh. Um, and at the beginning, uh, you know, just the tone of voice mm-hmm. was, I said, uh, disdain was the word that uh, came to to mind that uh, the person who was reading this had a real disdain um, and I think I wrote down probably about like 40 seconds in, I said, this person's had enough. Yeah. Enough. And as it, as it progressed, you know, we found out why, but at the end, you know, you know, we were listening to someone who was literally had enough. Um, and just the tone, like he didn't, he didn't even have to go into, um, the description of, what happened or anything mm-hmm. along those lines, I could just tell by the tone of voice right off the bat that, um, it, you know, a lot had happened and we were talking with, uh, we were listening to someone who wasn't going to take crap anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up her tone. Like you don't have to be loud to express anger or whatever you're feeling. And the way she, the way she read it was just with so much like the that lifted off and that, you know, the clarity that comes with finally realizing the truth of, of the experience that she just had. Um, so there was like this, a, a calmness to it too, which I really appreciated because you could tell that she was very like firm and resolved in one, like where she's at with this person, but also like in, in understanding the truth about what happened. And, and it's so interesting that in a lot of these recordings, we hear people use the word predator too. I feel like we've heard that used numerous times. Um, as like a common theme, but it's, I just like underline that word with an exclamation mark. Cause it's, that's truly how it feels like being preyed on by someone who senses your vulnerabilities and them running with it. So this person that she's talking about just sounds like a dirt bag. Well, uh, we, oh, for a while, like with the podcast, I wanted to p- always point out that the true crime element of what is going on and the psychological mm-hmm. breakdown. So, um, using the word predator, I mean, is, is appropriate in, in a lot of, uh, most of the cases. And, and mm-hmm. one, the one line that she had in here, you had many chances to choose to be, uh, a better person. And, yeah. you know, I, I think about that a lot. Uh, that there are, you know, you have the, here's the mistakes that have happened. Here's the things 
someone like this has been guilty of. I'm giving you another chance to be a better person. And, you know, in a lot of cases, a lot of these uh, people, these toxic people are always say, you know, I want to be like you. Right. Um, you know, the thing that they like about you is that you are a good person, that you are this and, you, and you're giving these people these opportunities so many times to show that they are like you, that they can be like you mm-hmm. and it's just never going to happen. And, yeah. um, you know, it's for this person, um, they're done with giving them the opportunity to be a better person. So it was really, you know, at the beginning when she was reading this, I was saying to myself, um, Sarah will be able to put it in better words than I, I can <laughs> when trying to explain this, but you know, cause I could, I was in my mind, I can't explain what I was thinking because I was only imagining a look or, um, you know, uh, on, on the person's face and how they were reacting like that's how mm-hmm. I was able to describe it to myself in my own head, and I, mm-hmm. I, it's just impossible for me to explain it. But like, uh, it was more like in my mind, it was like this dirty—not a dirty look. I, I, maybe it is a dirty look, but like looking at the person out of the corner of your eye, you're looking mm-hmm. kind of straightforward. You're not turning your body, but you're looking like the person she was talking about. You, she could be looking at them out of the corner of their eye. You're not going to give them the time of day anymore. And, mm-hmm. you're, and it's like, you know that they're there and you don't like their uh, existence that they're there. And you're kind of looking at them because their presence is surrounding you in a mm-hmm. sense. But you like, you're, there's a venom um, in, in, in the, in the little bit of look of like, just stay away from me. I know what you're all about now. Yeah. Um, I can see you there out of the corner and I don't want you here anymore. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of, if I was able to draw it, if I could draw, that's how I would kind of draw just the tone of her voice. If it was a look and it just like her eyes would shift to the corner. I don't know if I'm making any sense to anyone out there. No, because the way I'm visualizing it is like, if a tone could draw a boundary, that's what her voice did. It was like, this is it. Like you're over there and I'm over here. Like you're never, ever coming back over here again. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just a, a really good letter. Like another great letter. So, uh, thank you to, uh, that person. And now we're going back to, uh, reading letters. Right. And I think um, we'll read two more and then we'll do two more recordings and then we'll so uh, and then we won't do two more letters. We'll just do uh, two more uh, written letters and not four. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, So I'm going to say pick which letter uh, you want to read. Uh, I'll just go ahead and do number three. Okay, go for it. Awesome. Dear me, if you're reading this, it's because you're having a rough day, most likely because of him again. I'm writing this to you to remind you that the feelings you have right now are normal, but the person you think you miss wasn't real. You just missed the fantasy he told you and are choosing to forget the reality he gave you. You did love him and he used that love against you. He gaslit you constantly. 
There was a time you play fought and he put you in a headlock holding it until you were unconscious. Did he do this on purpose? Who knows? But he did try to make you believe you had a pre-existing condition. You saw through that straight away and called it out. It was lucky for us, really. The warning bell that had been ringing since the beginning was getting louder. He made comments about your appearance and your personality. He eroded the little confidence we had over time and rewarded us with affection, if we agreed with him. He left you in London on your birthday. He kicked you out of his home numerous times for not having sex with him or for not pretending to be happy after being yelled at. He raised his fist at you and told you that you were making him a violent person. The list goes on and on. I don't have to list everything because we were there and we remember it all. Don't ever forget what he said about Jay. We both know what I mean. What I'm really saying is that the feelings you feel now is normal. You are just missing the companionship. You miss the good times, the laughs, the smiles, and the love. The cuddles and kisses and the inside jokes. But in missing those things, you are forgetting the real darkness in that man and the things he did to us. You were the one who got up, looked him in the eye, and left. You laughed when he told us we would be back. You blocked him on everything. You ended it on your terms. That takes strength. You did that. Since we left, you've worked hard in the gym and lost a load of weight. Please say we kept it off. We really can't afford to buy a new wardrobe again. Go and get up and look in the mirror. You know you feel and look so much better. You did that. You've got a small circle of friends that is growing slowly. You just finalized on that big move or you could even be in there by now. You did that. You have your family. Just remember what a lucky boy we are to be rid of him. You will find love again, I promise. Please, just for your own happiness, if you think about him or see him and it affects your mood, read this post again and see how much better we are doing without him. If this doesn't help, go back to be to beginning and read it again. You know it is true, deep, deep down, because you wrote this to you. This was great. Um, that's how articulate I am. I use the word great. This was a wonderful uh, letter to yourself to remind you of everything. And just a really good reminder for everyone out there who... Uh, to do your own journaling. And mm-hmm. this person was obviously gaslit um, throughout mm-hmm. their uh, relationship. And, you know, a lot of stuff happened. Um, and, you know, I, I really like the parts about the stuff that he was missing and to mm-hmm. um, acknowledge, you know, that yes, you are missing these things. But at the same time, um, to remember the 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 bad times because a lot of people do get caught up in you know when you're hoovered back or you want to get back that you're you're hooked on on the good and to remember that the bad stuff did happen and that this person is now uh, recognizing that the lies that were told to them that they probably believed at one point are not true and that they're going through the process of um, proving that voice in their head or whatever was said to them wrong uh, one step uh, at a time. And I think that's really important for everyone uh, who's gone through this, who's doubting themselves 
to remember uh, the best way to prove the person wrong is yeah. or to, prove, to, to prove those voices wrong is is to uh, or to like you know to get over certain things or to not believe those is to baby step it you know one step at a time you're you're capable uh, you're a capable person and um, this person is living proof of it so I so continue sorry no I was just agreeing with what you were saying and uh, one thing that's really stuck out that sticks out to me with this letter is like this person's ability to still be so kind to themselves you know from the very beginning and throughout the letter while still acknowledging everything that happened to them, they're they're trying so hard to kind of like pull themselves out of this hole, you know, like even just the first line, you know, because you're having a rough day, most likely because of him again, like that having that compassion for yourself and the healing process, I feel like for me, it was really difficult to access that and seeing somebody, you know, exercise that compassion for themselves, I feel like is, is just really important um, to, to begin that healing process and to learn that days and to be able to separate like what you really miss versus like not that person but just you know what every human being deserves which is like affection and love and you know all those good things well now we are going to go to uh the last two voicemails and we're going to go to um Wrap three. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Welcome to my narcology. If you're here, accept my apology. The nor could say it, but I can. And I am so sorry. Breaking down the false self in this psychopathology. Validate your experience of the narc morphology. We're in past codependence. There are going to be applied situations, examples, and this terminology. Honeymoon, love bomb, oxytocin, neurology. The most caring, kind, thoughtful person was romancing me was searching for a happy heart. So they got the key, but like Houdini, super sneaky, pulled the rug from me, routinely lied, shamelessly over absolutely nothing. How can they be so needy, greedy, and never care deeply? They're broken human beings, freely stealing your feelings, liking what you're liking, mirroring and re-imaging, thinking what you're thinking, thoughts of reprogramming, strategy, playing, scamming, the smile they give it back, and if they say it slipped, it missed. Do you need a bandage? Devalued, but at the same time, so romantic. Shiny red flag, beaded, flapping, enchanted. Mesmerized in your eyes, the seed is firmly planted. So pleasure and pain is screaming, always in tandem. Emotional abuse, you've been branded. Your property, their jealous fear of abandon. Isolated your family. They demanded it, talking trash about people, gossip, cross their lips, smear campaigns, and started slandering your friends, making sure you have no relationships. They stick to the script or watch the flam, flam, man flip. Anger rising causes you to question them. You didn't know it, but you're playing the biggest championship. 
your courtship is sinking wants to pull you in the ship get you out deep knowing you cannot swim long sharp circling never get back what you give but you're his air supply your lifeline make amends he struck a match around the oxygen flammable gaslight burned off all your skin i have a purpose to teach every kid to shed the real light of what narcissism is All right. Uh, she did it again. She did. That was a good rap. I liked how yeah. it I liked how it ended too. Yeah. Uh she she started off with some lines that I was like trying to jot down as fast as possible. Uh, I think the first one I wrote down was breaking down the false self. And I mean, in so many ways, that's just that can be interpreted by people who are survivors. Um, not just breaking down this, you know, the partner, but how how you have unfortunately learned to see yourself in that relationship through that abuser's eyes. Um, so yeah, there's just there's a lot of layers and depth to to those lyrics. Yeah, I I couldn't keep up with writing things down. Um, I have to listen to it. Again, that was the first time I listened to it uh, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, she just continued um, on her on her way. And yeah. um, I want to thank that person one last time for for sending that in. She did. A, you did a really good job. I mean, you're you're a good. I mean, <laughs> you're a good rapper. Yeah. Um, so thank you. And I'm going to read one right now before we get to the last letter. I think I w- went out of turn. Um, I'm just not a good host today. No, it's okay. I'm so thankful you're here. I really am. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. I mean, um, here we go. Um, all right. Here we go. I questioned for so long what was wrong with me. I wasn't pretty enough, funny enough, interesting enough. And I molded myself to suit you, losing my identity and my freedom in the process. To keep your temper at bay. I remember every day feeling I was on tenterhooks. I survived a day without you berating me, without you saying goodnight. I love you. I was satisfied. You led me on and promised me the world, all the while you were seeking someone else. Begged my never to leave you. Sorry, begged me never to leave you, betray you, or cheat on you. You had no intention of honoring me the same way. Chastised me, punished me, damaged me, one hand holding mine while the other slapped me in the face. Then, coldly, you told me you met someone else. She was all you ever wanted. You loved her. Amazing, beautiful, funny, better than I ever was. Perfect. Three weeks later, you were trying to get back over to my place for sex. I'm glad I told you where to go, and I blocked you. I was proud and had peace. Three months, no contact. Then I cracked. Your new girl is gone now, or so, or so you told me. She lasted three months, so... Guess she wasn't so perfect after all. What? 
was she just a normal person with flaws too? That never suited you. I hope she had the sense to leave and stay gone before you finished sucking her dry. I hope she is well, whoever she is. Who knows, maybe she still is in the background, like me, praying for you to come back despite knowing I don't want you back, but not being strong enough to say that with conviction. Yet. Fuck. It's hard. I love this letter. Yeah. Um, it's really I, I, sorry. It's just really honest. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just an honest, honest letter. There's a line in here. Where's this line? Let me find it. Um, uh, when it goes, chastise me, punished me, damaged me. One hand holding mine, while the other slapped me in the face. Um, wow. I, just a great. Uh, just imagery. The imagery of that is um, is just powerful, and um, you can ima- It's very easy to imagine that in all the relationships with people with toxic narcissists, where you know you have this one thing going on, where you're probably looking at that hand, the the loving hand. Yeah. Um. Because that's because in my in my mind when you when that image is brought in, into my head, I'm looking at the hands that are holding each other. Mm-hmm. You know that's where my concentration is. Um, because in a way, when I look at that, the hands that are holding each other form the bottom of the heart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If they're in a straight yeah. line, whereas the tops of you can like you can form like an actual. Because that's the loving part of it that people want to see. And while the, even though it might not be a slap in the face, a physical slap in the face, there's an underhandedness that's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. and, um, you may not be privy to, and that's just, um, one of those things where you're being swerved or, um, you're, you're concentrating on this one thing the whole entire time while something else might be going on. And, you know, this person, as you said, is just honest and the honesty of this letter, um, is what makes it, uh, so wonderful. So, yeah, um, it's a great metaphor too, right? It's like that holding is meant to distract you from all the other junk they're, they're doing behind your back. Um, and I love that the, the ending, especially where they're talking about like that, that hope that they want to come back, but also knowing that you don't want that person back. Um, I really appreciated that because I think that sometimes we're afraid to kind of admit that, like, no, I don't want this person back, but deep down you, you also kind of want like uh, this validation that like they are on some level, sorry to see you go and realize what they're losing. Um, so I really, I, I really, pre- it takes a lot to be vulnerable like that. You so want them to to realize that they're losing something. Yeah. Um, so thank you to this person who uh, sent this in. And now we're going to do uh, one more uh, voicemail and then one last um, uh, uh, letter that was sent in. So let's go to the next one. And I think it is... Amber. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. 
Dear Narcissist, um, you never had as much control as you think you had. You never had as much love from me as you think you had. You wanted everyone around you to worship you and be inspired by your heroism and your morals. But the truth is you're still that little boy that your father left. You're still the little boy that just wanted to be seen and heard and loved and cared for when you were seven years old, when your father left. And for that reason, I, I don't want to say I forgive you yet, but I understand. I understand where your pain comes from and why you inflicted, you inflicted so much pain onto me. And I just, I understand so much more about why you did what you did. And I'm so happy to be free from the abuse and free from your manipulation and free from just your influence because I feel like my life has gotten a lot better since you discarded me in Valley. And yeah, I just, I want you to know that, you know, like you can change your life, but it starts with you and it cannot be healed by hurting other people. And I feel compassion for you that you feel like you need to put other people down and make other people feel inferior so that you can feel superior. Like it just, it makes me sad that you feel that that's necessary for your life. Um, but I feel like now I need to protect myself and I no longer care what you think. I no longer care about your opinion of me. Like nothing that you say matters. Like even when you message me and you try to hoover back into my life, it, I just see it like it's like a ghost that used to be a part of my life and it's no longer relevant. It's no longer relevant. And I just, I, I don't want you to do this with, to anyone else. I don't want you to, you know, take anyone else down this path of like deconstruction, making someone feel like, you know, they're emptied so that you can fill every void within them. Like, it's just an awful feeling to feel that dependent on someone else's love and to never actually get it. Um, I feel like I've benefited from this experience. I feel like I've like learned a lot from this experience. I've learned way more about myself than I ever could have if I never met you. I think I learned about my own history with my mother who, you know, like I had to work to get her approval and work to earn, earn her love and all that. And maybe through you, I was trying to reconstruct that and re reinvent the story that like I can earn your love. Um, but you shouldn't have to earn love through external things like, you know, looking good all the time or, you know, being on your best behavior, never arguing, never putting up a fight, never voicing your opinion, like feeling muted all the time. Like that's not love. That's not, it's not how you should put someone into a box. of like, this is how you behave for me to love you. Like that's how my, it feels like that's how my mom treated me. Um, and I know that now that that's why I was attracted to you. 
um, I was so drawn into you because you were perfect and you seemed perfect. And I wanted to, it's like, I wanted to absorb that perfection and I wanted you, it, it sounds weird, but I wanted you to like make me feel better about myself. And you did at the beginning. But then after, obviously after like a few months, you just tore me down and you had such an ability to tear me down. Like you knew all these nooks and crannies within my psyche that you knew exactly what buttons to push to make me feel emptied. Um, I do want to forgive you one day. That's it. You there? I am. How was that for you? That was, I mean, I, again, like you sense so much of the um, survivor's strength and resilience in their voice. And for her, she, um, again, she's drawing these very firm, clear boundaries for herself while also managing to have the courage to have empathy for this person, which takes, I mean, which is hard. I mean, on a good day, I can do that, but most days are, that's, that's challenging. Um, but yeah, I just think that she, she expressed empathy on such a human level so well, while also being like at this, you know, after that, like, I'm not, I don't care about what you think about me. And then, you know, your opinion doesn't matter. And I thought that that balance between the two was like, you don't often see that. And I think that showing that that's possible is, is important for people to, to hear. It's a rarity um, to to get that. Um, you know, a lot of people will just be like, "I'm I'm done, I'm over," and you know, I'm concentrating on me. And they, the compassion part isn't part of the process for for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So, but uh, this person who who wrote this letter um, is it just is fully aware of all of everything of everything of how they have mm-hmm. how they tick how the other person ticked and in a lot of way knowing how they the other person um ticked in every single way it's in in some ways it's easier to uh heal yeah um to not feel that it's something specifically against you um that this is just the way they are um, and here are the reasons why they are the way they are. It's not to say that they have any excuse um, for how you're being treated, but this is what it is. And, you know, the compassion part, um, you know, for a lot of people that this person's life is always going to be chaos and unhappiness and, and craziness and, um, you know, to feel sometimes just feel lucky that you're out and that the other person's is not going to, they're never out. Um, so there's, they had one line in there, um, which I found really interesting, uh, which is to feel dependent on other people's love. And I forget, I forget who I spoke to, or maybe it was an episode we've done before, um, where, a line kind of like that came out of someone's mouth where like the interpretation to me is the other person kind of sucked you in to be dependent on them. Mm-hmm. That like you were even Steven, but you were brought in to depend on that person's 
love. And it might have been a friend of mine, actually, who, who said it. Like, they were okay by themselves. You know, they were okay. But then they you were brought into this person's world to then depend on that. And that in itself took you out of being your own person and to create love for yourself without the need of someone else. And that, mm-hmm. that you were manipulated in that way. And, uh, you know, to me that, that stuck in my mind that like, how do we find ourselves? How do we find it to go back to that old way of I'm okay to be dependent on my own love for my own self. So, um, just hearing that, that brought back that old conversation I had. So, uh, and I just think it's something that some people should remember that, you know, as far as equality and if you're in it right now, like if something's, things aren't even, um, if like you're depending on the other person's love to feel like that you're a complete person or you've somehow been put into that situation, um, that it's just, it's not healthy. Uh, if you're in that and you're wondering what's going on, um, you know, that you were manipulated in, into doing that and to try and find a way, uh, to gain that once you're out of it to, you know, gain that back for yourself, that your, your, your own love is good enough for yourself. So, um, yeah, so thank you. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? No, I, that, I wrote that same line down. I think that was really, really well put. Um, yeah, it just, it just stuck out right away for me. So, uh, to that person, uh, who, uh, sent in this letter, uh, thank you, uh, very much. And we're going to do one last, um, letter and it's the last one on the list. Do you want to read the last one? Sure. I, I kind of wanted to end off on, on a, a funnier or a, you know, an angry, uh, note. So, and this is the last one. Uh, so thanks for everyone who's still uh, listening to this. Here's our last one, and we're ending this off on a on an angry note. Here we go. I don't want you anymore. We could have been together forever, but that was never really possible. You'll never be with anyone forever. You aren't capable of being faithful. I will pass away with my loved ones around me. You will pass away alone, just like you lived. You aren't capable of love. You may be immune to fear, but I would be afraid of death if I were you. You aren't going anywhere pleasant with the things you've done to others. RIP, because you are already dead to me. Perfect. <laughs> a great way to end this episode. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we, had a, we had a really good mixture uh, today of, you know, from creativity to honesty mm-hmm. to angry um, it was a really, uh, interesting group of, uh, voicemails and written letters. So I really want to thank, uh, everyone who sent in everything and for the people that wrote these that were, I found on Reddit. Um, thank you everyone, uh, who's part of this episode and Sarah, I really want to thank you because you really saved my butt today <laughs> and, you did, uh, I mean, you're articulate and you were able to verbalize things in ways that I can't. I mean, I always think I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a slob with my words and you, you really were wonderful today. Um, and you were able to put words to things that 
I can't and a lot of other people can't in, in a really eloquent and articulate way for people to uh, resonate and learn from. And I really appreciate you and I appreciate you being here. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. No, thank you for having me on and for uh, letting me be part of this. I think everybody who contributed with the letters today just displayed so much courage and resiliency and uh, and so much strength. So it's been a privilege to to be a part of that and reading their, their letters. And uh, that's it. We are done. So for everyone else out there who is still listening to this special episode, I want to thank you. And I hope you all have a good night.